This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello, Hello and welcome, welcome to Star, Star Diary, Diary podcast, podcast from Makers BBC Sky, Sky and I magazine. You can, you can subscribe, subscribe to the print edition, edition of the magazine by visiting skyandimagazine.com or to our digital, digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 27th of June to the 3rd of July. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Ezzie. Another time, another week. (laughs) Another week and another set of fabulous things in the night sky. So tell us, Paul, what's coming up this week? Well, we ended last week with a bit of a challenge sort of thing with Venus and the Pleiades. And we start with another challenge and it's back in the morning sky again. And the thing about this is that, again, if you're further south, your latitude, then this is actually a lot easier for you. Uh, So there's been a lot of talk about this parade of planets. Now, I've been mentioning the parade of planets for a a long time, but there's something happening very interesting with this parade of planets, but it's a bit of a challenge for us because Mercury joins them and it's been in the morning sky but the problem is for us it's very very low it's, it's really lost i mean we always moan about mercury being the one that's always in twilight when it is visible but it has good and bad apparitions and this one isn't a particularly good apparition for us because it's constantly in the brighter part of the twilight so it's been very low but the good news is again the moon guides us to it and so does venus because it's to the lower left of Venus, you do have to let the actual sky get a bit higher. So we're talking about the 27th now of June. And the thing about this is that the moon is directly above Mercury. So once the moon rises, keep watching and keep looking below because a lone star will pop up above the horizon. Now, we've got the same old caveat where you really do need an... Un- this is you really need an uncluttered horizon without a shadow of a doubt sort of thing. Find a gap between buildings or whatever sort of thing. But we are looking roughly towards the northeast, just to the right of northeast for this. So the key for this is actually to see the moon first. I suppose Venus first, because that's the... I mean, Venus is so blazingly obvious, you you, you can't miss that. And then to the left of Venus is the moon. So once the moon's up, I say, keep watching below it, and hopefully you'll get this little dot of light appear. And if you do, you've got Mercury. Now, the thing about this is that we've got the parade of planets. So if you actually see Mercury, the irony, and this is very unusual, it doesn't happen because normally they're all mixed up. The naked eye, and I have to emphasize the naked eye planets, they literally go in order out from the sun. Mm. So literally you go Mercury, then Venus, then Mars, then Jupiter, then Saturn. So the that naked is eye planets—that uh, is very unusual. I, I actually, I honestly, can't remember the last time I saw that. I, I don't think I have actually seen that when, mm-hmm. as I've been an astronomer, and, and that's—I oh, hate to say this—I mean, obviously, forty years. I started when I was two. 
I try to get away with that when I do my talks, but it doesn't work, you know, never works. They don't believe me. I don't know why they don't believe me, but anyway. <laughs> but I, I mean, that is rather unusual, I have to say. I mean, obviously, the two other outer planets that are in this mix, Uranus and Neptune, mess the order up a bit. Boo! <laughs> but, but, you, you know... You can't the see those with the naked eye, so yeah. they don't count. <laughs> no, I mean, you could say you're following the steps of the ancients, because these are the ones they would have seen. So this would have been quite unusual. So it's well worth having a go at looking at that. I mean, Mercury is, I say, not at its best apparition this particular time. I'd advise, because the timing, and we were talking about around about 3.20 last week, you need to leave it a bit later so the sky will be lighter. That's the problem. And so we're looking about 3.40. And again, the further north you are, the harder it will be because the sky will be a lot brighter itself. So 3.40 a.m. But don't leave it a lot later because about three quarters an hour later, the sun rises. So, you know, you know, we don't want you watching the sun and getting blinded by that. So, we, you know, our usual caveat sort of thing, being safe and making sure you know when to stop observing sort of thing, certainly if you're sweeping with binoculars. So if you haven't got it within 10, 15 minutes of that time, 3.40 a.m., then after that, I would leave it because the sky will be likely too bright anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though it's Mercury sort of thing, I mean, it is a dot of light. So uh, just you'll have to settle on just Venus and the other planets um, miss off Mercury. But it would be nice if you spotted Mercury. It might be one of those ones where some of our listeners might think it's worth going and making the effort to, to find a nice clear, clear sky. Because uh, you don't often get to see them all at once. So in and in order. So it might be some people might want to do that. Now, as it happens, Venus, of course, is also still moving. I mean, yeah, the, the planets are forever changing. The nearer planets, they their motions are much more obvious. So Mercury, Venus, and Mars often make the biggest motions across the sky. So we notice that more. Um, Jupiter and Saturn, of course, are a lot slower. And Uranus and Neptune, that to the naked eye, if you could see them with the naked eye, it would be almost imperceptible, even over a few weeks to a month or so. So you know, it's one of those things that at least you can see them moving and Venus does this and then Venus is gradually moving to the lower left, it's dropping back towards the solar glare, so on the 30th when they rise around about 340-ish you should see Venus directly above Aldebaran now again Aldebaran, it's a challenge it is a bright star magnitude 1 star, so you know, well worth going out and having a look at, but it again is battling the light nights, so Venus is your guide. So whereas the moon was the guide to Mercury, Venus is your guide in this particular case sort of thing. So you hopefully will get it. So that's in the morning sky. But shock, horror, wow, we can go back to the evening sky. You know, something more convenient. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to get up for this, but you do have, because of the light nights, you do have to stay up fairly late to actually see it. And again, we're looking around about 11 o'clock at night when the sky is beginning to get darker. The moon is new on June the 29th, but by July the 1st, it should be viewable over in sort of like the northwestern sky as a very slim crescent, very low. It's not far from the beehive cluster, but that will be lost in the actual bright twilight itself. So again, you get another chance, but in a more convenient time, to see the Earth shine, this time in the evening. So you don't have to stay up late, do you, for that? So as it moves up, 
the moon will actually move up towards Leo. And as it does so on the second and the third, on the second, I always think it, it looks a bit funny because you've got this slim crescent moon. But the way out of the sickle of this Leo, of the sickle is this wonderful asterism. Because um, there's, there's constellations and then there are asterisms in that. And so, you know, we have extra shapes within the constellation that stands out. I mean, the Great Bear, we've got the saucepan, the plough, um, but the Great Bear is a whole mass of other stars. Leo is the same. The right-hand stars form what looks like a sickle. And it just looks funny that the, it looks like the moon is about to be sliced up by the, by the sickle. Uh, <laughs> so the moon lies to the right, in actual fact, of Eta and Regulus, Regulus being the brightest star of Leo. But the way out of the actual sickle is angled, pointing down, it's almost as if it's hovering over it, ready to slice into it, sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, if you're a Wallace and Gromit fan, so the moon's made of cheese, so there you are. You could use the sickle to make a, li- a slice of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> nice moon sandwich. <laughs> yes, a lunar regulus sandwich. Oh, that'd be a bit rough, wouldn't it? Very gritty, I would have thought, really. So, there we are. That's the, that's the moon. Now, Finally, for this part of the week, sort of thing, because sometimes we don't have a lot happening within a week itself, sort of thing. Sometimes it's a bit shorter. We go back to the morning sky because we mentioned last week a comet passing a particular star. We've now got Mars and it passes Omicron Piscium. And Omicron Piscium, again, is a naked eye star. It's not a particularly bright star, but. Mars is a lot brighter. So you'll find Mars first, and then you'll notice there's a star nearby. And on July the 2nd and 3rd, Mars drifts south of the actual star itself. So I like, I just like these little... I mean, again, you can take photographs and you show the motion of the solar system by doing that. So by photographing Mars, you could start earlier. You could, you could do a wider picture and you know, take it sort of thing from July the 1st through to July the 4th or 5th and get this sequence of Mars slowly moving past this particular star. I say slowly, actually it's moving quite a lot. It's quite fast. So, you know, it's quite a, an interesting thing to see the motion of the solar system taking place because it's very easy to think that everything's stationary. Sort of thing. Apart from the moon, most things do tend to be stationary or look as if they're stationary until you get an example like this and then you realise Mars is actually moving you know, against the background stars. So there we are, passing Omicron Piscium July the 2nd and 3rd. So there we are, that's that particular week done. It certainly sounds like there's a, a lot of very interesting things to see in the night sky. Uh, a lot of things in the solar system passing by things that are a bit further away and seeing how, how our solar system moves against the background stars is always very interesting to me. So thank you very much for joining us today, Paul, and telling us all about the spectacular sights there are to see in the night sky. My pleasure as always, Ezzy. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16 page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 